Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, uh, let me just put on some water for my voice, all right? All good. And then, uh, hey guys, if I go upstairs to do an interview, will you guys behave down here? So behave. If you need me, call me, but I'll be doing you, okay? I'm just, I'm babysitting at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah man, all good, all good. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that, they, that I'd have the kids without the mom today. I mean, what I, just, you know, a, a complete treat for me, man. Just, you know, I'm a Long Island guy, so this is awesome. Oh, what? Uh, well, I grew up in Selden, but um, I live in West Babylon now. But, like, um, you know, I, I grew up with Steve Cameron. Oh, my man yeah man hold up a second <clears throat> i have a show tomorrow my voice is shit you know yeah yeah i i'm i'm i sing in a band so i get it all right guys if you need daddy i'm upstairs but try, see if you can leave me alone if you can okay ella john john i'm going upstairs for, for to do my work all right they're watching the three ninjas you ever heard of the Three Ninjas? Uh, no. Is that new? Nah, it's a shitty '90s kids movie. No, I remember. Okay, yeah, I just wasn't sure. I mean, because I just, I just assume like all the kids now like newer stuff. So yeah, I, I remember yeah. Three Ninjas. We like newer stuff, except on their dads. When I'm their dad, you like all old shit, you know? Yeah, man. So, so I guess uh, Show Kazuki is up next. Oh, they already saw Shokasugi, yeah. <laughs> they know who Bruce Lee is. They know they know who Jackie Chan is. All right, you want to start? Yeah. So, um, you know, welcome to the podcast, which is If I Rule the World. And then we're doing like a red audio river. or visual too? It's going to do, uh, I'm, I'm probably just going to pull the audio. Like, there's no need. I, I think more people, right? Yeah. I think I think more people wa I listen to audio than they watch visual. It's your, it's your, it's your show. You, you, you decide. It's all good. Cool, cool. Um. Anyway, congratulations on the record. I don't know how you did it, but, um, I was someone who thought legends never die. Um. You know, I'm a 42 year old hip hop fan, and I can't think of many hip hop records better than that record. And somehow, um, all my heroes are dead is just as good. So, congrats on that. It's not just as good. It's better. It's a better record. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> um yes yeah, as, as far as like the songwriting and all that other stuff definitely I, I i i could see that um i love the cover because growing up as an 80s action fan um it has like a delta force feel to it so like i i just love that that part of it yeah the artist is the dude designs is his name <clears throat> and he's he he did you know he does a bunch of movie posters he did uh, the the Blu-ray art for They Live and all the really dope drawing art that you see on a lot of Blu-rays. He did those. He did the original Hobo with a Shotgun Postal, all of that stuff. <clears throat> he did uh, a Stanley movie, the new one, you know, the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft one. He does a lot of a lot of official posters too. So uh, 
Yeah, I hit him up and he gave me my best album cover I ever had because usually my album covers suck. <laughs> um, what what did you, like just out of curiosity, you mentioned Hobo with a Shotgun. That that's such a like underrated movie. I think did did you like that one? I thought it was amazing. Uh, I like Rutger Hauer. I wasn't a huge fan of it, <laughs> but I might not have been in the right mindset. I got, maybe I got to watch it again. You know? Okay. Yeah. yeah rest in peace, Hauer. Hauer, man. I can't believe that he passed away recently. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'll never forget being like a kid and going to see Wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah, yeah. The asshole Gene Simmons blocked me on the internet, on Twitter. And uh, before he got to block me, though, I said, yo, this was the only good part of your career when you, when you ate a fucking grenade, pussy, or something. You know? And I sent him the scene with, with, with Rutger Howard feeding him a grenade, you know? I actually That's thought he was one. a good actor. I thought Gene Simmons, because he's such a... Uh, character you know he's such a over-the-top character and personality so i liked almost everything gene simmons was in in the 80s the way you know uh he was in runaway with tom Selleck, where the bullets would chase you around the block you know he was uh he was disgusting in this movie where he played like a tranny it was called uh never too young to die i think it was vanity and john stamos and and uh gene simmons chick yeah that's wild Okay, yeah, and also trick, trick or treat. He looked so ugly as a tranny. It was like Gene Simmons with lipstick and, and his tongue. You know how he does that thing with his tongue? And he was like, ah, trying to kiss everyone. And you're like, oh, this guy is disgusting. Well, that's that's what the uh, Lick It Up album cover looked like for Kiss. But um, also... True, because that was in the glam rock age of rock. So they started wearing girl makeup. Yeah, yeah how did that miss you, though? Like, because... So I'm 42 and growing up, like... That era, like, that's what was popping for me, like, on MTV when I was growing up. Obviously, there was, yo know, MTV raps, but I I feel like, aside from, like, your love of Guy and, and uh, you know, like, 90s R&B, did you ever get into... 80s R&B. 80s. Guy came out in the 80s. Yeah. Um, aside from that, did you ever get into any, like, rock stuff that you could think of? Not not really. You know, I was always against the grain. So like when it was burnouts in the back of the school, you know, I would always go the opposite, you know, like I'd have a new edition tape or something, you know, but but as far as rock, I think there was a couple ACDC records and, and uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. And um, when Kiss came out, when I was a little, little kid, they had a, um, a movie on TV called Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Yeah. So uh, it was so cheesy and stupid, but you know I loved it. There was like, they, you know, there was like bad kiss and good kiss, and they'd laser beam each other and fight each other, and so you know I guess that was the the extent of it. But then, um, yeah, once, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was always since I was eleven, you know, ten, eleven, twelve. I was always, you know, trying to go against everything, you know, and and uh, hip hop was a, a bit of a counterculture uh culture you know so uh i always was drawn to that you know especially so, like on long island like i feel like there was a couple of things i, had a song, I had, oh, so go ahead, go ahead oh no no go ahead i had a song when i was 14 i wrote it called rock died out and it was like looking like a mister now nah, more like my sister you know it was like <laughs> it was like it was like dissing all, all the all the glam dudes but then um uh, Schoolie D made a song in a video called "No More Rock and Roll," you know. So, so you know, wasn't it like a 
uh, rock and roll could never hip hop like this, right? Was it that? I'm pretty sure that was Schooly D. I, I don't remember that lyric or, or song. Also, like, man, it's funny enough because at the end of the Bad Lieutenant, he rapped over the Led Zeppelin cashmere oh, shit. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out to uh, Abel Ferrara. Yeah, and then they, um, uh, uh, they sued Abel, you know, and they had to take it out the movie, right? And then meanwhile, yeah, because you and you then, can't find it. Yeah, and then meanwhile, uh, he let P Diddy the dopey ass uh, Godzilla movie P Diddy use it, you know. So and yeah. James Page, yeah, was it Jimmy Page? He was in the yeah Jimmy Page. He was in the, he was in the video. The guitar to that terrible Diddy song. Ugh. And I defend Jimmy Page because there was a Herbie Hancock is is a, a fantastic musician, obviously, and uh, he did Death Wish soundtrack, you know, which was great. And then, yeah, and then Death Wish 2, um, Michael Winner, his neighbor was Jimmy Page. And, Jim, you know, Led Zeppelin was kind of broken up and it was, you know, in the 80s and nobody was checking for Led Zeppelin like the way they were. You know, you know, they were listening to their old records, but where were they getting work at the time, you know? So, I, I mean, they were millionaires, but, you know, they just weren't in high demand. And, and uh uh, Michael Winner got Jimmy Page to do the soundtrack for Death Wish 2. And uh, they panned it. They panned, oh, this isn't as good as Herbie Hancock. Where'd they get Jimmy Page for this? And and if you listen to it, it's a really great soundtrack. His guitar is just so gritty and gross and disgusting for like this ill, you know, uh, exploitation, you know, nasty film. So I love Jimmy Page's score on, on Death Wish 2, you know, but... Uh, you know, the picture got it, banned. People didn't love the film. The, the, the audience loved it, but the critics didn't love it. So I guess when the film's panned, a lot of times they'll pan every aspect of it, including a very good soundtrack, you know? Yeah, I remember watching, like, Death Wish 1, and, uh, man, so as a kid, like, seeing, like, that the spray painting of the ass cheeks, like, that shit was, like, pretty graphic, like, back then, you know? And uh, Jeff Goldblum was up in there. Um, I didn't like 2, but then 3 spoke more to me as a kid, you know, because I was into the, oh, like, those two. big action movies. I um, I where... I love, yeah, I love one, two, and three. I love, I, <clears throat> I love four and five. Five is terrible. Four is fun. One is I know. <laughs> but I still love them. And uh, uh, three is just the weirdest, what the fuck planet are, are we on, greatest movie ever. And two is just so gritty and grimy and ugly and exploitive. And it's they don't they don't make films like that, and the kills were really cool. So I like that. And yeah. you know, Michael Winner would always not always, but he liked to go too far. He liked to go too far, and that's what people hated about his films. But that's what I like because you know uh, they don't make films like that often. You know, and especially in this decade, in the eighties, they were going excessive. But you know, right now they'd be crucified for trying to do a Death Wish two film. You know. <laughs> You know, so I enjoy all the. Yeah, they 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 serve their purpose for sure, especially even four and five, as ridiculous five, as so they are. Terrible, but he but he he poisons a cannoli. Maybe put oh he had a remote control soccer ball and he blew somebody up with a remote control. Like what the fuck are we doing here? What, I know. what is so, this film? <laughs> um, so back to the album cover. Um, funny enough, Sean Price, he's on the album cover. And I remember one of the last times I saw you perform, you you did eighty nine North in Patchogue. With Sean Price, you remember that show? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that's the thing I hate about the world. You know, it's like it was like they were. I was headlining that shit. 
you know, it was like Sean was legendary and it's me and Sean and, uh, you know, we're barely bringing in, what, how many people were there? 270? You know, how many people were there? I, it's a big place, but yeah, it was, I, I would say 270. That sounds fine. Maybe less than that even, but it was like, you know, it was whatever. The promoters made their money back and they underpaid us, but, uh, but look at that. And then after he passes, you go and, you know, SOB sold out lines across around the block. And it's like, why didn't you come out and support and have this dude, Sean Price, headline and shit all over the world? Why don't you support motherfuckers when they're alive? And then, like, after he passes, you get, you know, this happens every time, you know? Nipsey, Nipsey also, you know, whoever it is, it's like you, you get all these flock of people that were like, always oh, your fan and, oh, these, they're the GOAT, you know? But it's like... Man, you know, Sean, you saw Sean was doing verses with, with scrub rappers for money, like, you know, because he, that's how you pay your bill. Yeah, fuck it, you know? But if they were truly supporting their own artists, hip-hop's own, uh, you know, he wouldn't, he, he could have, you know, he should have been a multi-millionaire, the guy is what I'm saying, especially the respect that he got after he passed. It was like, man, if you were supporting like that when he was living, imagine what you could have did for that man's life, you know? Yeah. And what what an ear for production, you know? Like oh. every album, like, you know, just... I, I remember when Mike Tyson came out and just... Because uh, just, I was thinking, like, how are you going to top monkey bars? And then Mike... Like, it's just... His ear for production was so great. His style, like, you know, the wordplay, I don't have to tell you, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I just... I. I guess I did have that feeling too, but I, I guess as a older hip hop fan that likes, I like the new shit. I like the old shit, but to me, I'm thinking like, yeah, like uh, there should be more people here. But I mean, I, I guess maybe I'm jaded to that now. Cause I feel like, I don't know, you know, like some people just don't support certain things. I don't know why. Yeah. Price is, is great, man. And, and I'm glad the world recognizes it. And, and But you know, yeah. That's the world, though. You know, you know what I mean. Like, like so, so many of the greats aren't recognized while they're here. You know, it's like I go on Facebook or the internet, and like some of the greatest rappers that ever. Nobody even gives a fuck. It's like, oh, these guys, those are my idols, and people don't care. People don't care. You know, but if if something bad happened to them, they they'd all be writing love letters about them. You know. Yeah. Funny enough, I know you're a Stuart Gordon fan, right? Of course. Yeah. So I So funny enough, um, I never watched From Beyond until last night. Oh. I put it on because I watched all his films, and I was watching that documentary in Search of Darkness, which is like a four and a half hour yeah. documentary. Is it, worth, is it worth watching? Uh, yes. Like, there's new information learned, or is it just like showing clips of stuff we already already know? Uh I guess it's stuff that we know, but it's just. I don't know. To me, it was like, you know, snorting a line of nostalgia. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just like, perfect. I'm like, because they go from 80 to 89, you know, so they break it up into, into like everything that came out in 1980. It was a lot of fun for me. And, and in watching that, there was two movies that came out that I, for some reason, just didn't watch. One was Fright Night and the other one was um, From Beyond. So oh, I ended up watching the two, the, the, the two of the best. The two of the best. I know. Yeah. yeah. Fright Night is great. Like, it's really great. It's, I mean, it's a standard story. It's been done. But the way Tom Holland did it, it was great. And all the acting is great. And all the performance is great. Evil Ed character is hilarious. Roddy McDowell. It's great. It's a great one. Yeah. Uh, Marcy Darcy. 
Yeah, I love Fright Night. And uh, um, and the effects, of course, the effects were, were top-notch effects. The practical they, stuff. They had a big budget for that one, too. That was a big budget movie at the time, too. For, for but, if you, but if you look back, like, to, um, do you think it's it's better than Near Dark? Yes, yes. Fright, Fright Night, I, I like... I, I love Bill Paxton. Near Dark, you know what? Near Dark, I like the film, but it's 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 almost where the '90s film. I guess it was ahead of its time because in the '90s, films became like, look, we're the smart horror film. Look, we're intelligent <laughs> with our horror. And and Near Dark was kind of, you know, it almost fit in the '90s era where it was like, look, we're the smart, intelligent, intellectual horror, you know, which it was. But Fright Night, you know, just delivered, delivered a, a joke, a horror, scare, story, fun, fun. You know, it was just so much fun. It was too. fun, yeah. To me, it's light years ahead of Near Dark. Near Dark for me is, with the exception of Bill Paxton, rest in peace, who I love, love. It's and Je, uh, uh, Je, Jenny Wright from I Mad Man, um, and I know fans will kill me for this because I know Near Dark is a really loved film, but uh, you know if I want a, a straight dramatic film with not much of a sense of humor, you know I don't, I don't really love to come to the to the horror genre. You know um, the greatest horrors of all time, even though they don't they don't play like comedies, you know. Like, if you watch Psycho, we all know there's a million jokes throughout that script and throughout the film. And every time you watch it, you're catching on to little clever, silly lines that, and things that Hitchcock are doing that if you played it straight and it was just straight, 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 it's like, what, you know? But uh, I'm going to rewatch Near Dark because, uh, you know, it's, I almost feel like I badmouthed it, but I, I didn't mean it. <laughs> I just I think, I think Fright Night is just such a time capsule, uh, good film for for that era, and they don't make films like that anymore. I think they still make films like Near Dark, you know, like uh, you know the '90s and and the 2000s were like, look, this is a dark tone, serious, real life, and I think that's even if you take Near Dark, um, if you look at the superhero movies, the way they played it straight now and serious, you know, so. Near Dark, you know, um, I might be taken away from it because a lot of films that people like now, the ones that I don't like really, <laughs> was Near Dark did do it first, you know, in a lot of ways. Not for, Nothing's first, but you know what I mean, before a lot of them. You know, taking a genre like the vampire genre and playing it straight and showing a realistic approach to it. You know, like like it's a, it's a smart, good film, but it's not... It's not uh, the rewatching value compared to something like Fright Night to me is, isn't isn't close, but that's me. You know, people have different. No, no, but you're right because um, it is like if I'm going to rewatch something, it would be Fright Night, and and I could feel that even after just watching it. Um, Near Dark's a little heavier, but man, Bill Paxton. When we you remember when we well, I don't know if you remember me, but we did the Wondering video in Comswog. Yeah. I had had no clue Jay, you know, his son was the, the actor there. And uh man, when I found out I was like that Bill's son, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, the filmography Bill Paxton has. Oh, he's one of the is, greats, man. He's one of the greats. He's one of the most likable characters. One of one of he's one of the greats. And and one of my favorite films ever made is Aliens, you know? Um and uh I love the film Alien, and there's another opinion well it's not that unpopular but 
you know, I think that James Cameron actually uh, topped the original and uh, film fans, you know, want to crucify you for that. But but I think uh, I think Aliens was just uh, I don't know, it just everything about it worked to me, you know, and, and it delivered the goods scene after scene after scene. Um, <clears throat> something like Alien, <clears throat> the problem is it was copied so many times, copied, copied, copied. Then now when I watch it, <clears throat> you know, it kind of plays a little slow and this and that. But and I go back to Psycho. Psycho has been copied so many times, but because of the, the humor underneath it, and, and the little dialogue and the little silly things that Hitchcock did in his serious piece, Psycho keeps having rewatch value to me. Alien, the original, is a great, great film, one of the greatest horrors ever made. But for me, when I put on Alien, it's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm, there's nothing new with the fourth view and the third view and the fifth view. And for me, and like I said, there's a lot of filmmakers that are great filmmakers that would disagree with me and say it's the greatest movie ever. But I, I love Aliens, and I love Aliens' performance. So um, that's one of those series that reminds me of, like, Terminator and Terminator 2. You know, where, like, oh, Terminator... What, what you're going to say, I'm going to disagree with. Go ahead. <laughs> so... You topped it, I disagree. No, no, oh. no. So as a kid, I thought 2 was the greatest movie that ever ever lived. And as I got older, I realized the original Terminator yeah. is untouchable. Way better, way better. You know, it's like it's like a a, sl- a slasher movie because he won't stop. There's nothing you're going to do to stop that guy from killing you. Yeah, and he's killing little old ladies. He's going in police fucking you know stations and murdering all the cops. You know, um, but what part two was was when Hollywood says, okay, you want 125 million dollars to make a movie? Let's put the friendly kid in there. Let's make it happy. Let's make Arnold the good guy. Let's make put little funny jokes in there while they go kill people. They'll make little funny jokes. You know, it's like where um, the Terminator was just smart, small, low budget, right to the point, and, and you know, they, I don't know. I like something a little bit more hardcore. I don't like when they take everything that worked in the first one and then turn turn it friendly and oh look he's gonna wear a leather jacket and wear sunglasses and say funny shit and like you know and have a little boy sidekick and he's gonna say funny things and it's gonna be eh, come on you know? yeah 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 um, all the but anyway, are gonna hate me after this fucking thread you know <laughs> nah yeah you, well, you know what the, the one thing about opinions and and online it's like i don't know you could you could put a picture up of like a a rainbow an infant and ice cream and somebody's gonna shit on it yeah, so doesn't matter. Um, but going back to, to to the music, man. I so I followed you. I remember when I had a friend that went to Hunter College, and you did, you know, uh, Cunt Renaissance, and you know, you were kind of from where we were from, and that's that's when we first started hearing about RA. And you know, back then it was like this sense of pride, like you know, it's like, yo, this dude from where we live was on a song with Biggie. Um, and then from there, that's kind of like how I followed your career um, through singles here and there. Um, but it wasn't until like, would you say like maybe like Uncommon Valor? Like like it just kind of like opened something up a little bit? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. 
you know, when I listen to that and, and to, to go a little bit. I got, I got uh, my demo in the 90s, 90, 91, 92, you know, the whole industry, you know, every rapper on the block wanted to fuck with it, you know. So we had a huge buzz and we ended up getting nine record deals off of that. And like, you know, everybody was in the studio in and out with us, you know, it was like everybody. So. I w- my biggest buzz was actually in the early 90s, before anything, before the Biggie record. My biggest buzz was before all of it. But um, <clears throat> I think the only difference you might be talking about is when the internet became a little bit more more uh, out there. So a lot of people for 15 years thought I was a black guy. You know, like, oh, I read a rugged man, that New York kid, the New York guy. And then the internet, they're like, wait, who is that guy? Who's that guy? I, I used to have dinners, industry dinners. I'd be at a dinner and people would be talking about R.A. the Rugged Man. They'd be like, yo, he's sitting right there. And they're like, nah, nah, the black dude from... It's like, that's... No, R.A. the Rugged Man, right there. Like, nobody knew nothing about my personality, who I was, what I was. They just knew I was this dope rapper. I think when the internet came out um, and people were able to share information and spread it, I think maybe that's what opened up a, a new career you know so yeah that's that's crazy um and then also you know just the the relationship with Vinny and the and jedi mind tricks um i also like to cite the song nosebleed i think nosebleed is one of like the best songs on the planet and uh your verse like you know you kick the song off and i'm i'm not a big hook guy you know to me maybe it's just uh having the um like the DJ premieres, you know, like scratch up like the, the, the you know, the, the words for me. And I'm like, OK, it's, that to me, I like it. But every now and then, especially on this last record, I don't know how involved you are with, with like the actual like uh, like uh, singing hooks. But they're like beyond. They're like so smart songwriting. Um, you know, a nosebleed is, is one of those songs that, that, that definitely has it. So like, how involved are you with like the hooks and, and like, and well, progressions? What it is. Nosebleed, I actually wrote the chorus. I wrote that and, okay. and Amelie sung it, you know, um, the, um, but on my album, uh, like wondering. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, Dave, Dave, uh, already had that song and classified just sampled Dave's song. So all I did in Wondering was have DV DV alias Christ come in and sing on top of it. And then I had a couple musicians play a little music on top of the singing vocal. But that chorus was already in place. You know, it's just the only thing I added to that uh, was no, wasn't words. It was just uh, some harmonies from, and, and, you know, some ad-libbing from DV alias Christ. Um. And then, you know, like, let's say like a song like Le- a Legendary Loser, which I love because so that kind of reminds me of uh, A Star is Born, like where you kind of get the audience up to speed and you tell that story and uh, it kind of like keeps everyone. Yeah, it's a sequel. It, it's somewhat of a sequel. And and uh, Star is Born, I, I, I lost at the end. I was just a bum loser, you know, and this starts off. I'm a loser goes into it and then halfway through the song you know the the, the rebirth you know shooting ahead boom we're done and uh i'm telling you uh here you toured the world made millions off of rapping you said i'd never be successful i'm here it happened you know uh and if after all this bullshit in my life and my career all these fucking problems 
now here's the happy moment. Here's the happy time. This is, we flipped it and we succeeded and we're a success now. So it, it's, uh, and you know, and then if somebody like me could do it, so could you. And it's almost like take Rocky too. He, 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 he won the fight. <laughs> Rocky won. He lost the fight, but he went the distance, you know? Okay. So that was a victory, you know, in, in Rocky two, you know, this, this bum, you know, club fighter, should have no chance against Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed's one of the best. And his bum loser um, is able to win the heavyweight champion of the world. And uh, it's similar to that. You know? Yeah, it's great. Um, also, I love the Jim Cotta reference because like three people would get that one. <laughs> you know, uh, Sam Furstenberg, do you know who he is? No. He directed uh, Ninja 3 and oh, Revenge okay. of the Ninja. Oh, wow. Okay. And break into the electric boogaloo and avenging force. I mean, he he's the man. But uh, I sent him the video. He was like, "Yo, I love the cannon shirt. I love the cannon shirt." Yeah, man. <laughs> did you watch the the cannon documentary? Yeah, I did. I did. I liked it. I liked it. You know, I love cannon films. I, I I don't know. I thought I was gonna like it more though. But I thought I thought there was gonna be more information. I, you know, what the problem is, I'm such a nerd that uh. A lot of times I know everything that they say in the documentaries. It happens with boxing documentaries too. I'm like, damn, like they're not, I, I, I like watching a doc and there's a ton of new information that I had no clue about, you know? So when it's documentaries and they kind of just show you the films they made and like, I know all these movies already, you know what I mean? So it was good though. Yeah, the, the, it's fun. There was a great documentary. I think it's the same directors, right? But they did one about Aussie, Australia. Yes. Yep, yep. That one was way better than the Canon one to me. You know, I love Canon films, but the Australian one, I learned tons of stuff and seen footage. I never like. I was like, wow! Like, they, I really. I think I think one. they have they that up. The they have that up on, on Shutter, which I have. Oh, I didn't know. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, they they did one about the Philippines too, which was a good one. It wasn't as good as the Australian one, but it was good too. The one about the Philippines. Um. So funny enough that you mentioned boxing, because like when I think of the song uh, Golden Oldies, so my girlfriend's eight years younger than I am. So when it comes to like the rock stuff and music like that, we're kind of on the same page. But when it comes to the hip hop stuff, it's a little different. So I'm like listening to these lyrics. I do actually like Arctic Monkeys and Imagine Dragons. But then you also mentioned MMA and boxing. Um, I know you're a big boxing fan. I'm a big MMA fan. Um, do you ever watch MMA? Yeah, sometimes. But the point of uh, that lyric was OGs like boxing. You know, that's where we came from. The OGs, the old school, old heads, fuck with boxing. You know, we were born, raised, our daddies used to watch it. We watched boxing, you know. And then the new generation, you know, ah, boxing ain't shit. MMA, MMA, boxing's what nobody cares about boxing anymore. MMA, MMA. You know, th that argument and, and that debate happens time and time again. I'm in the middle. Cause I like, like I said, it, it well, not everybody's like that. Obviously, it's just a lyric about two people. You yeah, know? yeah, no, like no, for sure. The whole entire MMA community, there's a, but, but you know, you know, you know, you know that the younger generation, you know, in America, fucks with MMA uh, at a way higher level than, than the OGs. You know. Um. Yeah. Cause like I, I was, I grew up watching Sugar Ray. I grew up watching Tyson. Like Tyson. When I was like, you know, nine, 10, 11, like, you know, that was like a big deal. Like that, you got those pay-per-views and it was over in like two seconds anyway. But like, that's the stuff I remember. 
Um, and then somewhere along the way, like 93, like that first UFC came out, which was like a circus show, really, when you look back at it. Um, but there was something about like that that just made me want to watch. I was a big wrestling fan. So to me, it just seemed like a steady progression to be like, OK, we're finally we're, we're not going to do the fake fighting. We're going to do the real fighting. So that's when I got into MMA. But I could still watch boxing. I liked it better when they used to put big, fat, 400-pound sumos in there with, like, a 180-pound, like, karate expert, and the expert would fucking knock out the fat guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. There's certain things that I get my girlfriend to listen to, and um, so definition of a rap flow. Like, that that might have been, like, the first thing that that I listened to that she was like, oh, what is this? And uh, from there, like I was like, just feeding her all this stuff. I don't know what it is. Maybe the production was so bright and it was such a great song. But then, you know, later on, like Get Me Through the Day, like those songs were just so heavy that I feel like they just hit everyone at the same time. So uh, now she, she'll listen to you. She'll listen to like uh, some Action Bronson stuff, some Mayhem Lorenz stuff, you know. So it's funny um, to, to basically finally have that connection with her. You know? Yeah, I don't know. The, the mother of my kids, she likes German rap and, um, you know, but she'll throw on some soul records for me for breakfast sometimes, you know, so, you know, but it is all different generations, you know, so. Yeah. Going back to, to Bill Paxton, just out of curiosity, because if you ask me, Kurt Russell, John Cusack and Bill Paxton have the best filmography. Um, what are some of your favorite Bill Paxton movies? Wait, wait who'd you say? Bill Paxton, who's other guys you say? John Cusack and Kurt Russell, I feel like, have the three best um, filmographies. Uh, what, what was John Cusack? Uh, uh, Better Off Dead? Uh, what did he do again that was good? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying I'm just kind of forgetting what the fuck. 1408 he did was a fun I little movie. I fucking love that movie. It's so underrated. He did Identity, yeah. Gross Point Blank, uh, Better Off Dead. Uh, a bunch of shit. Yeah, I like Better Off Dead. I don't remember many films I like with him, uh, but but I like him. I just don't. I can't remember a whole bunch of John Cusack movies I like. But I'm probably forgetting something big, right? Like, what are we forgetting? Is John Cusack shit that we're forgetting? Come on, uh, say anything was another one. Yeah, yeah, those aren't my kind of movies. But... No, no, no. <laughs> I threw him in there. I'm just saying, like, as far as Bill Paxton, what are some of your favorite Bill Paxton movies? I told you know, I love Aliens to Death. I love I love him in Weird Science. He had a cameo in Streets of New uh, uh, Streets of Fire. Um, uh, uh, Bill Paxton. Me and his son went over the whole resume, and right now I'm drawing a fucking blank because I wasn't ready to talk Bill Paxton. I got I got um, two. I got two. Yeah, so but, but, um, two lies when he pissed on himself. <laughs> uh, oh, I love the film he directed, Frailty. You know, I love his performance and I love the directing and I love the story. I thought he was great in that. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, he's in countless, endless, great, you know, performances, the guy, you know. So I, I had two that never really get mentioned. One was Frailty. Absolutely. Just when I first saw Frailty, it blew my mind. And then there's another movie he did, which a lot of people don't really mention. Uh, I feel like he might have even produced it called The Last Supper. You ever hear that one? It's what the racist people go to dinner or something like that. Yeah, I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, I, seen it. I love that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about Bill. And I love listening to JPAX on your podcast, which it's 
it's been a minute since you did an episode. Yeah, he's one of the greatest kids, man. J- James Paxton, he's like a really fucking great kid, like a really great human being. And, and before, not long before uh, uh, Bill passed, James, I was in town. He was like, yo, I want to bring my pops. You know, he wants to hear you perform Uncommon Valor live. And I said, yeah, hell yeah, bring Bill Paxton by. But uh, then Bill had to fly out to to a, a, a show for two days or something or, or a movie. I don't know, remember what it was, but Bill couldn't make it. And uh, he said, yo, we're going to have dinner sometime. Like, like you know, James sent me pictures of Bill holding up my album, it, you know. He was a he's a great kid, James, and his father's a legend, you know. Um, yeah, going back to 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 your podcast, obviously, you know, we're all fucking quarantined at the moment. Um, is that something that you want to continue? Nah, because I don't have a producer. When when I was doing the podcasts, I was uh, you know, getting the camera crew, getting the studio to film it, getting the audio recordings, getting the guests together. I was editing it myself. It's like it just took too much damn time to, uh, you know, if I, I, if I was able to find a producer um, who just all I had to do was show up, that then 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 I would do it, you know. I yeah for sure. I I do the editing on both shows, so I get the deal. Um, that's why I don't even fuck with visuals. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? Like, n- not my thing. Um, go, yo, going back to to the record. I remember on Twitter after you did a verse, you said it was the most, it was like the most ridiculous verse that you ever did. Now you didn't say which what it was, but I feel like it might have been all systems go. What month? What date? A number? <laughs> I don't know. But I just listening to that song, I feel like um. It's so all sent all systems go and um, life of the party are my two favorite songs on the record. I, I think that it's some of the best two of the best songs that I've ever heard. And, and lyrically, obviously, you know, very different. But um, anything that you want to say about those two songs, especially I think Prince Paul did life of the party, right? Yeah, well, uh, Prince Paul had new beats, but. He, he one day he was playing me beats from like unreleased Chub Rock, unreleased Slick Rick, like all this ill stuff from the early '90s. And then that beat came on, and I was like, "Yo, who's on that Slick?" Who? He's like, "Nah, nobody." I'm like, "Yo, that beat's available." Yeah. He made that beat like 28 years ago, 20, you know, so crazy amount of years ago. I said, "Yo, can I use that?" He's like, "Sure, whatever." So. uh he loves the record now, but um, yeah, he, he you know, it, you know, I want that hook though. Yeah, that's Eamon. Eamon killed it. Eamon's a killer, killer. You know, Eamon's one of the best that ever lived. You know, so and Prince Paul's one of the best that ever lived. You know, so. a- absolutely. Like when I think of like producers, like uh, I, we were trying to get him on the show too. Um, you know, just on the strength of Long Island, and uh, he is. Man, when I think of something like Prince Among Thieves, like how did that record just not like how does everyone not know that record? Yeah, he's a he's a legend. Prince Paul's a legend. He's a legend. I uh I opened the song with, you know, back when I was bumping Ghostetsa. That's a homage to Prince Paul. You know, that's one group I actually like don't know that well, but I, I know where he comes from. Um and you know. Shame on me, definitely. Um, oh, that's all. They, they were groundbreaking Brooklyn MCs, you know. 
They were they were before the Roots. They were the first hip hop band. They had the live drummer, you know, uh, Bobby Simmons, and they used to come out and do routines on stage. And you know, they're, they're legendary Brooklyn crew, you know. So Tommy Boy wasn't giving them budgets. They'd have hit songs out, but Tommy Boy wouldn't finance their videos. So you know, when you're when you're a group without videos, you don't always get the same recognition as a group with videos back then, because there was no internet back then, and you relied on your videos being played on platforms, and uh, so they were only getting played on you know, you know, rap radio and stuff like that, and not on MTV. You know, except, you know, when they finally did videos like talking all that jazz, it was played all the time. So they just needed more videos. That's just I think we're back to videos though. You know, I feel like a visual now, I feel like everyone's staring at their phones or a screen. Um, I feel like the visual and now it's such a like DIY thing. Like you like I feel like everyone has a guy that could fucking make a video. Um, I know that you man, all the videos that you've done for this record have been amazing. So how important do you think a visual is now? Well, you know, it's it's very important because the song gets heard and seen more, you know, so. You get to put the song out twice. If you just put the song out normal, you know, the, the song might not get discovered. Like I did a song with Gifted Gab and Afro and it, it uh, my, my voice is shot. Wolf. But uh, you know, I think 100,000 people heard it. You know, maybe it got 100,000 hits with no video, you know. And then and then um, we put out a, a video and the thing got no it, it boosted up 8.9 million views than if we just had it on on a fucking, you know, on, on with no video. So it all depends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gift to Gab. Funny enough, man. That's Black Alicious. Like whenever people like, you know, show me some stuff, I feel like a lot of people miss Black Alicious. The the alphabet aerobics. I mean, like, man, what 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 a killer MC that dude is. But going back to to the video, uh, you just put out a video with uh Afro and DJ Jazzy Jazzy Jeff. Robert Davi, how'd that happen? Robert Davi. You said Robert Davi was like in the video, like a cameo. Oh, Rapa Dabi, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just said Rapa Dabi. I was like, what the fuck is Rapa Dabi? Yeah, yeah, no, no. We just bumped into him at the mall and we used the footage, you know? <laughs> that shit is, like, I saw that and I was just like, because it looked genuinely like, you know, like like a mistake. Like, oh, hey, look, it's Robert. Like, your face wasn't. Yeah, I, was wearing a, I was wearing a fucking robot costume. He looks up like, what the robots in here? And I look, yo, why the fuck is Rapa Dabi here? So yeah, we use that clip. That's that's <laughs> great. Um, uh, technology, unfortunately, that's how Zoom goes sometimes. Um, so just finishing up here. Um, I just wanted to say once again, I think the record's amazing. Everything that I'm reading about it, people seem to love it. Um, so I'm just gonna ask you two last questions. As far as like Slayers Club, which was like a posse cut. Like, did you have that that crew in mind, and you wanted them all? Turn it down a little bit, baby girl. I'm just gonna finish this, baby. Sorry. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for your time. Um, as far as posse cuts, you have Slayers Club on on the new record. Um, how do you go about putting together like such a team like that? You know, like especially a dude like Ice T, man. Got to make you just got to make the calls and see who's into it, who's not. You know, <clears throat> and uh, hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, when you've been in the game as long as I and 
as many records as I made, you know, uh, they, they, they respond. They say, hell yeah, all right, yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. I'm with it. I'm with it. So everybody was down to do the record, you know? So. Uh, what Do you have, like, an all-time favorite posse cut? Like, for me, it would be like a... Now, I actually, yeah, there's too many, but just out of curiosity, is there one that you feel like is like the gold standard besides the symphony? Well, what were you going to say? What are you scared? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I, to me, like when I really think about it, because like I'm thinking of like uh, the song that I always go back to is uh, Who Shot Ya? I mean, I Shot Ya, uh, which was LL, you know, um, Prodigy, Keith Murray, Fat Joe, Foxy Brown. Uh, to me, like that's man, I put that shit on no matter what year it is, and it still sounds fresh as shit. Yeah, what 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 you say? The symphony you said before that? Oh no, no. But I'm saying like I just I, I for some reason I just assumed that that everyone would say that. So I said aside from the symphony, what would be your favorite posse cut? Well, you know, you named the greatest posse cut ever. So where do you go after that? You know, the, the symphony is the greatest posse cut ever. You know, that's why I had but, to uh, exclude it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, live at the barbecue with Akinelli and Nas and Large Professor. That was a great one. Uh, there's a lot of great posse cuts in history. Um, and now I'm drawing a blank. But live at the barbecue is definitely up there on the list, you know? All right. Um, so once again, last question. I'm going to ask you if, you know, for someone with such a long career and so many songs, if you were going to throw five songs in a time capsule somewhere, out of your whole catalog, what are five songs that you would put in this time capsule that someone 20 years from now would listen to? Oh, I can't do that. No. I think just put the fucking, take the goddamn new album, wrap it up, throw it in the time capsule. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a five. You know, the new album got 22 songs on there, and I'd hate for them just to hear five songs off of it. I'd like for them to hear all of them. <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, like I said, yeah. best just throw the latest in there and rock with all my heroes are dead. There you go. Best work to date. Thank you from fucking West Babylon from Long Island. Uh, man. Yeah, it's freezing up. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for doing it. It was a long time coming for me. And thank you for your time. Thank you, Steve Cameron and Matt from Nature Sound. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you want, if you want another, if you want a better ending, where to internet works just set it up with matt and and i could do an extra 10 minutes to end it off for you you know uh i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to what we have you know like i said it's all audio so i could just piece it all together so okay all right it's all good man thank you so much for your time all right thank you for having me peace right. man yeah baby it's phil cassess we're back live on night talk talking about dirtbag derelict r.a the rugged man for the love of god somebody put a stop to this guy yeah 
best to flow ever. I knew it before I hit puberty back when I was bumping ghost dancer. I was hateful. I punched you in your face for saying hi to me. But today I try to chill out and not react so violently. People ask, is it possible to be positive? Well, most of your life you was the opposite. Could a negative pessimist be an optimist? Known for being fat, being crazy, and always cursing. That was just my reputation. I was even worse in person, robbing, scheming, and scamming, and rooting, and tooting, and shooting. Peace to me wasn't a losing. Beefing was my only solution. I was banned from performing at mad places. I was known for leaving them bleeding and breaking bottles on fans' faces. Self-deprecating, unsavory. I needed medication majorly. I was sinking in moral degradation and depravity. Addicted to hookers, I was an animal wrecking shit. The amount of pussy I paid for, I probably could have fixed the national deficit. I was fist-fighting fans in mosh pits. Busy beating people unconscious with speakers instead of making pop hits. My life. I lost all of my endorsements, always beefing with law enforcement. Gun toting, grenade holding fights that I'm in, I'm winning them. But I'm getting older, I'm trying to keep the ignorance to the minimum. I still smack up any fan that act up, but I don't put them in the hospital. I just get them to behave and back up. I used to urinate on women, now I take them to dinners. Don't mean to disappoint most of my degenerate listeners. Used to be in whorehouses, begging for freebies, bumping the beasties in my tidy whitey BVDs, throwing feces. Fans are like, what did rugged man go soft? What they got him pumped up on? Prozac or so off? Yeah, I'm mad negative. You want positivity? Now I'm doing conscious records with Talib Kweli. My belly full of hunger, my heart full of hatred. It was hard to take it. I could barely make it. Hard to escape it. I had to get my head off of that hate shit. Always wanted to go ape shit and break shit. Getting groupies and strippers naked. That's the life I created. The party. to say a prayer to him. My life was a modern Sodom Gomorrah, living in ruin. Our hearts was ice cold. Never thought that we would open ours. Rolling with coked up stockbrokers with broken cigars. Rolling in stolen cars. We was hip-hop's broken stars. Roll rage, break your windshield with bats and crowbars. We had specially built treadmills for training the pit bulls. I had 30 knives and four pistols, quick to hit fools. Now I shake hands, sign autographs, I'm friendly. I used to hate fans. Everyone to me was my enemy. Now when I'm out with some fine females, I might head to a fancy French restaurant, sip wine and eat Snails. Used to smack chicks in the face with my dick and make the horse bread. Now I tuck my girl into bed and kiss her on the forehead. I'm a chill dude now, at least I try to be. I calm down, but don't try me. That ignorant kid, he's still living inside of me. The party. Love them, baby.